Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Toyota gets it. Toyota gets what we get, what slowly the administration might get if, of course, they were interested in not being ideological. You can't force the country to purchase electric vehicles. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Does fog, like, increase allergies? My nose is a mess. I don't know what's going on. So if I sound weird, I'm sorry. I feel great. Feel Did some push-ups. Maybe a burpee. Glorious, I tell you. Customers, not regulations or politics, should make that decision to buy an electric vehicle. This according to the chairman of Toyota. This is, of course, correct. America has stood up and said, yeah, we're not doing this. America has stood up and said, yeah, we're not going to be a part of this. We're just, we're just not that into you. But these concepts, these philosophies, these theories come from the same people, the same absolutely terrible Bond villain people who bring us things like this. We'll be having our coffee before the session, and, and you raised the coffee example. I'd love just to give you the chance to expand on that. Basically, the coffee that we all drink um, emits between 15 and 20 tons of CO2 per ton of coffee. So we should all know that this is every time we drink coffee, we are basically putting CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, the other, and one of the reasons is because most of the coffee plantation, or most of the coffee is produced through monoculture, and, um, and, and monoculture is also affected by climate change. So the cultures that do make coffee should go completely bankrupt and the people should starve and die. You shouldn't be able to drink coffee because you're destroying the planet, but they had coffee before their session. The same people who don't want you to drink coffee demand that you purchase an electric vehicle as opposed to the market, which is what I believe, putting it out there and seeing if it's something you're interested in and then competing with other forces. These people don't stop. They don't rest. They don't quit. And it is our job to push back against madness. Uh, the Generationally, younger generations don't see this as an issue. They see the idea of the planet as the issue without a consequence to themselves. And when they say to themselves, I'm willing to sacrifice these things, they never ask, is it right for me to tell other people they have to sacrifice as well? That is something that comes with time. The recognition that other people have rights outside of your feelings because they do. That's why it's important for all of us, regardless of 
the age group, A, to speak honestly, and B, to be focused in the conversations before some people think that their feelings are the only things that matter and then decide to have all of us live under their thoughts, feelings, and, uh, and well, really, unstableness. We see a lot of that already. Look at Canada with Justin Trudeau. We don't want this. We don't want this at all. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. There's a fight on the Texas border. And this fight is between President Biden and Governor Greg Abbott. Because the Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision said that the Biden administration can take down the razor wire. I made the argument that the president decides immigration policy, just like I made that argument while Trump was president. I don't change my mind because of who's in office. The president can do this. I never once said that Greg Abbott had to stop. As a matter of fact, I believe I said Greg Abbott's going to keep going. He is. He has and he is getting support from other governors. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. This in a statement that Abbott made public just yesterday. This is accurate. This is accurate. Stating that, quote, President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress. Instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry, President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. He continues, President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is to illegally allow their en masse parole into the United States. Going further, by wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas's border security infrastructure, President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along this state's southern border, bridges where nobody drowns and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Greg Abbott is absolutely correct to say, we're going to keep going. He can be turned down by the Supreme Court. But a Supreme Court decision doesn't actually do much. And there's going to be a great conversation here amongst the people who are engaged in the scholarly work of the Supreme Court. Was Marbury versus Madison really, really worth it. This idea of judicial review, this idea that somehow the Supreme Court is a co-equal branch. Oh, that's right. It's going to be a thing. Because the Supreme Court makes a decision, the president then has to execute that decision, or the state does whatever, right? If they don't do it, what does it matter? What teeth does it have? The Supreme Court has no standing army. They can't actually get anything done. They sit there in a robe, they bang a gavel, they have a cookie. I assume there are cookies uh, at the Supreme Court. I've always assumed that if you go into their like like inner chambers, their inner sanctum, uh, there would be cookies. From Greg Abbott's letter, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4, 
has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves the right to this state, the right of self-defense. Now, you have not heard anybody talk more about Article 4, Section 4 than me. I am... I, I just I just want the credit where it's due. That the United States will provide a Republican form of government, because we are a republic, and protect the states from invasion. I have discussed this numerous times. And now here's the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, to do the same. Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. I'm looking for it right here. I'm trying to see, uh, is this the compact clause? Is that what he's referring to? It is. Powers uh, denied states. No state shall, uh, without consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter in any agreement or compact with another state or the foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. You want me to you want me to read it again? Gladly. Gladly. The constitution actually means something. It says what it says and doesn't say what it doesn't say. Uh long live Antonin Scalia. Article 10 which is of course uh about the rights of being left to the states that are not enumerated in 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 the constitution in in the the bill of rights. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit delay. Said a a bit differently. Under Section 37B of the contract, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., facts, mentis, incendium, gloria, culpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, sometimes I bring in my uh, personal lawyer to, to make sure we understand these things. This is Abbott's argument. This is where he is. The political left believes that Joe Biden should take control of the National Guard. Joaquin Castro, congressman out of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott is using the Texas National Guard to obstruct and create chaos at the border. If Abbott is defying yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, POTUS, President of the United States, needs to establish sole federal control of the Texas National Guard now. Oh, well, this isn't going to end well. Bring on the governors. A series of governors supporting Greg Abbott, including the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, including uh, the governor of Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, 
including Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, Glenn Youngkin of Virginia, Christy Nome of South Dakota, all of them stating that they are behind Greg Abbott, Governor Gianforte of Montana, behind Governor Greg Abbott. The Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, standing with Greg Abbott. I have no idea where Governor Eric Holcomb is. Oh, he's on a trade mission to Canada? I don't know if he's still there or or, or not. But it doesn't, uh, you don't have to be back in the state of Indiana to do this. Anybody going to ask Governor Holcomb? if he stands with Greg Abbott, if he believes that the state has the right to protect itself, that the administration is violating the Constitution and the rule of law, and therefore the state must act. It's interesting that we're having this conversation as you've got members of the GOP in the General Assembly who want to now move in limiting the governor's executive powers because of what took place during covid Does the governor, who clearly believed in his power, not believe in the power here? I asked on social media yesterday, and I'm asking now, Governor Eric Holcomb, do you agree with Greg Abbott? Do you believe that he is accurate? And to use the vernacular, do you stand with him? Yes or no? I'm I'm not expecting an answer because... The man doesn't respond to anything. But I don't think that there is a journalist, quote unquote, in the state of Indiana who should let a day go by where they're not asking this question. But they should be asking this question every hour. There's a uh, an event tonight with the uh, Republican uh, candidates for governor. I wonder what they have to say about this. Eric Holcomb. Governor, are you with Texas? Do they have the right to defend themselves? Yes or no? I look forward to the answer. So somehow I hope you hear me say Take it easy The Carrie Lake story is real. When it first started breaking, I'm like, all right, everybody just settle down. And I didn't, I didn't even think about running the story. I was waiting to see. She was bribed, uh, offered a bribe to not run for, for Senate in Arizona. No way. Maybe. But she wasn't offered cash. She was offered a job. And if you listen to the statement, you read the statement from uh, the former now Arizona Republican uh, chairman, Jeff DeWitt, uh, Carrie Lake is super slimy. Now, I'm going to make a statement. Um, Carrie Lake has made herself into a quasi-caricature, all Trump all the time. I would have rather that she had been the governor instead of Katie Hobbs in Arizona. But this story is nutty, and it's nutty because people are clutching their pearls to something that happens all the time. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. Good to be with you. Carrie Lake ran for governor. Carrie Lake lost to 
a woman, Katie Hobbs, who was described by many as a Muppet. She sounds like a child. She acts like a child. She refused to debate. She won. And oddly, she's been uh, kind of uh, strong on, on the border and sending National Guard and demanding more from Biden. I mean, she hasn't said much lately, but she has done those things, and I can appreciate that. Um, a ridiculous choice by, by Arizona, but possibly made because Carrie Lake came on not just strong, but envisioning herself as a female Trump, which I don't think is a way to ever run for office. You run for office as you. You take the lessons from Trump, you run as you. If you want everybody to be Trump, you will never be able to vote for anybody else, foreshadowing. She loses that race. This was wrong, that was stolen, nothing has ever been proven, although I can't tell you how many thing, cases were actually taken up. Um, and here we are today. Massive supporter of uh, of Trump, uh, a uh, darling of 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 the right right wing, uh, she's out there. Well, I guess that Jeff Dewitt is a, as Carrie Lake tells the story, offered her offered her a job to not run for Senate. Did not want it, and and there have been plenty of people like, no, don't do it. You can't win. You don't have it in Arizona. Uh, we have to have the Senate. Oh. Oh, if the GOP doesn't understand, they need the Senate more than ever. I don't think any. We've discussed it here. If Trump's the nominee, which it certainly seems like he's going to be, the lift in a general is huge. You got to win the Senate. You got to win the House. Is there any plan for this? Does anybody even care? I care. I'll be talking about this. You think Trump's coattails are going to get people over the mark in 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 the House and the Senate? It might go the other way, where they don't vote for Trump at all, but they absolutely do in the Senate and the House because they know they need a counterbalance. And all of this, of course, changes when the Democrats decide on who their candidate is. But we'll get to that. So this guy, DeWitt, offers a job. Carrie Lake records him and then puts out the audio. As DeWitt tells the story, I'm resigning because she's got another piece of audio. It's going to absolutely destroy my family if she puts it out. Uh, basically is what he's saying. I'm not going to be around for that. But he's claiming that she edited everything. It's Carrie Lake. I, I I have no idea if she did or didn't. Is it possible? It's always possible. Is it probable? How in the world would I know? But he makes a different claim. He said Carrie Lake... Uh, was was working for me. She, I, I gave her a job. So um, this recording, I was offering her a job. What about doing this? We were already within that context of a business relationship. He writes, Lake has a massive megaphone that I cannot compete with. I am just a business and financial guy that got recruited into this unpaid role that demands the amount of time of roughly two full-time jobs. Nights, weekends, holidays, and more are all work days. My motivation for accepting this position was that I wanted to contribute positively, with the primary focus being the betterment of Arizona and our nation through the election of competent individuals. Well, look, no one said you had to take the job, Mr. DeWitt. I'm, I'm just saying. But he claims that it is Carrie Lake who manipulated the audio 
and wants to put out more audio to make herself look good. Can't say if that's true or not. I, I always know that everything you're saying is being recorded. But for all the people clutching their pearls, if, if I could be so bold for just a moment, you don't think people offer people jobs to do this, do that, do the other? Hey, don't run for office. Um, here, let me give this for you. What, what, you don't think that's, you don't think that's the way this works? I am not saying that Carrie Lake can't make her claim. I'm not saying Carrie Lake couldn't even say, this guy offered me a job not to run for Senate. I can't be bought. She is absolutely well within her rights to say that. You knew who you were dealing with when you made the offer. You knew that it could bite you. But this seems like the standard stuff. I swear to you, I don't actually know what's shocking here. If you think the offer is shocking, I don't think you understand politics at all. I really don't. Who's in charge? It's a great question. Does the governor have the right to declare an emergency? One could argue yes. Does the governor have the right to keep that emergency in effect for years? Well, I don't I don't think so. Should the General Assembly have the ability to engage and say, hey, what, what's happening here? I do think so. The representation of the people? Absolutely. Tony Katz at 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, there is now legislation. Senate Bill 234 would remove uh, the governor's ability to extend a state of disaster emergency after 30 days or declare a new emergency unless it is wholly unrelated to the first one. In advance from the Senate 38 to 10, all Democrats and one Republican voting in opposition now heads to the House. Um, I have not read, I've got it right now, the full details of the of the legislation right i have i haven't read the the full version i think i've got it right here it's 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 seven pages but two of them are blank so it's basically two and a half pages long i'm gonna give it a read my question would would go as follows first uh, going back to covid and how governor holcomb's kept extending this uh, state of emergency absolutely there should be a check by the legislature on the governor in in that situation. Absolutely. Republican, Democrat, we're talking about the rights of the people, and we're talking about the people having a say in what's happening. 100%. I I also have engaged the idea that the General Assembly should have the ability, through a mechanism that is well spelled out, they should have the ability to call a special session and not have to rely on the governor to do so. I mean, a certain threshold and a very specific topic and no other topics can be brought up. I, 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 I believe that they should, they should have th- that ability. What can I say? I'm, a, I'm the kind of guy who thinks the people should be represented by the people they vote to represent them. Just because I might not like the people, that, that, that's meaningless. 
it's totally meaningless whether I like the people or, or, or don't like the people. But one of the things I want to read is this idea of wholly unrelated. Right? The, the governor could uh, have a state of emergency here and then all of a sudden next month have a state of emergency for something else. So I want to read the definition of wholly unrelated. I do want to state that the idea of a state of emergency for 30 days only, I, I honestly don't know if that's enough time. I don't, I don't think a, a governor should have a year. Can't have two months? I, I'm, I am just, I'm trying to discuss it rationally about time that would be needed to, if there was an emergency, get a basic understanding of what was happening and all the moving parts, because the emergency could be ongoing over a couple of days or weeks, and you might need time to get all the information to, to assess what's happened to figure out what to do. I'm not talking about COVID, what we just went through. I'm, well, the mind does, does wander. So with that, I don't know if 30 days is the right number. That was my off-the-cuff take. But the idea that the General Assembly should indeed have a say, they should be able to be a part of this conversation, yeah. I'm down with that in every, every way. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. If you loosen up, you might just learn to In Ohio, it's an override of Mike DeWine, the governor, and good. What a fool he was. And I say it, I mean it, a fool to veto this legislation that would have protected kids from those who want to abuse them regarding sex change operations and self-mutilation. Tony Katz. 93 WIBC, good morning. The Senate voting to override DeWine. The veto prohibited doctors, uh, the bill prohibited doctors from performing sex change uh, procedures on minors. DeWine vetoed it. Then engaged an executive order to stop it. Well, now the House and the Senate have engaged an override of the veto. Good. Excellent, excellent work. This isn't a debate, and there's going to be no kowtowing. There's going to be no bending. Children need to be protected more often than not from themselves. Boys are not girls, and girls are not boys. And mutilating children to make them happy, as opposed to helping them work through their problems, is despicable. I think it bothers people still to this day that... that the position is taken that when we're talking about kids, we have different rules than adults. And we see how clearly there are those on the progressive side who are desperate to not only blur the line, but erase the line between childhood and adulthood. These people are wrong. And, And I don't like when we have to engage a conversation of there's the enemy, but dear goodness gracious, how else could we possibly describe this? You want to mutilate kids and you want girls to suffer at the hands of boys 
who are clearly, as the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for the American Psychiatric Association describes, disturbed, not okay, not at their healthiest, and you want the boys to say they're girls, you want these girls in sports and other things to take a back seat, have to change with boys. We've got situations where grown men get to change with, uh, in, in a locker room with young girls and we're all okay with this. It's, it's, it's a sickness. In terms of what we're talking about with gender dysphoria and those people who want to cheer it on. But their sickness is predicated on a desire to put an end to, well, a standard civilization that has value. What else could they possibly want? This is their idea of fairness. That young girls in sports should just have to take a back seat to a boy who is stronger and and just lay back and take it. You actually want to tell girls in sports to lay back and take it? That is a gross thought. You deserve to be pushed back upon. I'm happy to see this in Ohio, and I'm glad we saw it in Indiana. The people who don't protect young girls... Of what value are they? There, There's no argument. What they desire is not what a civil society should want, and they should be pushed back upon. End of list. Now, let's get to some things. The popcorn moment. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's a story you need to hear to believe. Then grab your popcorn because there is more. Uh, I have also uh, taken my fair share over the last few weeks. Uh, I can't believe you're not supporting Trump. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. You're wrong on this. Why are you so dumb about this? What happened to you? Nothing happened to me, kitten. What happened to you? I see the world. I see what it's telling me. I make rational decisions. Of course, Ron DeSantis was an easier lift for the general election than Donald Trump. End of list. Of course he was. It's not what the voters saw. I made my case. You didn't want it. And what I say now is, okay, go make it happen. Go make it happen. Don't look at me. You're the one who had this plan. You're the one who brought the crashing (laughs) Trump mountain down. Okay. Now go. How they get bothered by that? They get bothered by that. See, it's my fault. It'll always be everybody else's fault. I don't know how you're going to get suburban soccer moms. I don't know how you're going to do it. See, everything I just discussed is, is, is very real, and there's a way to grab those voters. And then they're going to look at Trump and be like, yeah, I just can't do that. Because they have been fed for years, Trump dictator, Trump threat to democracy, and I've stated... That is some of the most disgusting, despicable talk. It's flat-out dangerous. This was James Carville on MSNBC, where I'm saying out loud that the MSNBC hosts are proactively searching for someone to do Trump harm. This is obvious at this stage of the game. It's been obvious for months, nay years, but people haven't been talking about it except for little bits here and little bits there. Holy cow! Every second of every hour of every day of every month is nothing but talking about Trump threat to democracy, Trump a dictator, Trump violence. This is James Carville at the age 9,000 stating that uh, he's been doing this a long time. How dare anybody normalize him? 
That's your argument? Okay, right. This is not a typical election. And there's a massive effort to normalize this. You see the New York Times column say, well, the Trump people have a case. You see the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, the largest bank in the United States, saying, well, they, they're right about some things. You see reporters with uh, Jason Miller in the Fort Des Moines Hotel. Reminds me of a bunch of German reporters in some Munich uh, bar in 1935 saying, hey, Goring, he was an entertaining guy. I tell you what, he had some great stories. This is what classifies as as acceptable conversation. Another Hitler reference. Joy Reid made one the other day. Another German reference. Another this. Look at these people. They're normalizing Trump. You can't notice he did good things when he was when he was president. You can't say that. If you normalize him, it might be an easier lift. And they can't have the easier lift, so this is what they do. Now, I ask you, is there anything I've just said that isn't what I've been saying regarding Trump and the way they've treated Trump for months? This is exactly where my my crossroads is with uh, the people who um, spend their days, nights, and weekends calling, texting, uh, tweeting, emailing. They don't listen to that. If you are not engaged in 100% fealty, you're not acceptable. So I at least should make my position known on that. I'm not interested in 100% fealty to your candidate. I'm interested in 100% fealty to the country. I'm interested to my family. I'm interested to God. But candidates are interchangeable, and I would like to win. And I think DeSantis would have been an easier lift than Trump. But very much Trump's, I mean, he's got to be the guy. Nikki Haley just lost one of her biggest donors. This He's a massive Democrat funder. He's funding Haley, which is, of course, part of the problem with Haley. She didn't understand that this was bad money to take from the beginning? Crazy. Crazy. What MSNBC is doing is trying to search out somebody to do harm. They are feeding the idea that if Trump's the nominee, you have to stop this. It's despicable what's happened with what's happening with that network. It is out of control. These people are a danger and they are actually getting into people's heads. You think Trump's the problem? <laughs> MSNBC has got you beat. No one's Does she have to win in South Carolina? I mean, I can't understand uh, the motivation for a candidate who doesn't win the first three contests. Don't you think it's a do or die there? I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. New Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina are always the filtering states, if you think of it that way. Right? We always want to narrow it down. Now, she narrowed it down way faster than anyone thought. I do think when you get to Super Tuesday, you have to win. you got to win some states in Super Tuesday. I don't think uh, South Carolina is a must-win, but I have no doubt she's going to do very, very well there. Today, That is the governor of New Hampshire, uh, Governor uh, John Sununu. I'm sorry, Chris Sununu. 
and that is the governor of New Hampshire lying his butt off to Jake Tapper on CNN. These are the filtering states. You lose by double digits in Iowa, double digits in New Hampshire, and right, you take a look at South Carolina. Can we just do a quick math, please? Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. First, there has been no new polling in, in South Carolina since July since January 3rd. That had Trump 54, Haley 25, DeSantis 7. DeSantis is now out of this race. The real clear politics average is Trump 52, Haley 21.8. Let's call it 22. That is Trump up plus 30. If you take a look at New Hampshire... Nikki Haley outperformed New Hampshire, and yes, performance matters, uh, and, and expectations matter. He, she outperformed plus seven. So let's say in South Carolina she outperforms plus 10. She still loses by 20. You, you don't think you get filtered out by that? Three double-digit losses? Now, the people who are, are, I can hear them screaming, well, Tony, it wasn't really that close in New Hampshire. It's because Democrats crossed over. Um, This is exactly the problem in a general. You're not making a case for yourself. You're making a case against Trump. I would stop doing that out loud. But holy cow, that is a nonsense statement from Chris Sununu. Nonsense. She needs a massive showing. She needs an outright victory. And if not that, because I don't see that coming, a massive showing. Massive. Otherwise, there's nothing left. And she lost her Democrat donor, Reid Hoffman, who has put a pause on the spending. That's rough stuff. Very rough stuff. So, yeah, um, could you please just not lie on TV or, or radio or just not lie? That's, uh, it's, it's sad. It really is. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. What will we hear from Governor Eric Holcomb? This was the question I asked earlier regarding what's going on in Texas. Texas, where the Supreme Court ruled against uh, Texas or for uh, the president regarding razor wire. I was not surprised by this outcome. The president gets to decide immigration policy. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. I don't agree with the Biden administration at all. I have done nothing but discuss issues and problems at the borders, solution at the border, solutions at the border, how we get this done, how we engage policy that handles the multi parts that we have to deal with, whether it be a labor conversation, a safety conversation, a fentanyl conversation, a quote unquote humanitarian conversation. There are multiple parts we can do this. But this administration is not interested in doing it. Republicans have their own share of blame in not getting anything done. And Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, by sending people all across the country, has made this the national issue that it always has been. Because this was not about people saying, I'm going to go live a free life in Texas. 
It was, I'm going to go live a free life in America. And then some of them said, I'm going to go to America because they give you a whole bunch of things. I mean, that absolutely gets said. And then, of course, there's the people, I'm going to go to America and try and kill Americans because that, of course, gets said as well. You need a safe and secure border. People coming across legal ports, ports of entry. You must stop the flow of illegal immigration. And you must say no to certain types of people, like single, able-bodied men. You go back. The answer is no. But I'm not in charge. Sadly, Joe Biden is in charge, and nothing is being done. Uh, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, said, I have to do something, puts up the razor wire. Supreme Court says the Biden administration can take it down. Uh, The governor has said, I'm going to continue to protect this state because, as he writes, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4, which I talk about all the time, guarantees a republic form of government, a republican form of government, and protects the country from invasion. You don't have to be a, a, a force... That's in a uh, that's in a uniform. Of course, it's an invasion at the southern border. Oh, sure, you're really afraid of families looking for a better life. Is that what you think is coming through the border? The level of ignorance in that conversation. If you think that's what's coming through the border and not this guy, sorry about that. This guy who's giving full-on threats. If you are smart enough, you would know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. Uh, They think that this might be the guy who spent 12 years in prison for arms trafficking in Azerbaijan. So in light of all of this, it it struck me when I got a, a, a tweet, a post from Amanda Because I ask, where's Governor Holcomb on this? That's how I started. Sir, this is Indiana. Why are you worried about Texas? That came over less than an hour ago, and I will admit I, I, I went silent. I didn't know I'd have to explain this to anybody. I didn't know that the answer wasn't self apparent that the threat is upon all of us, that the safety issue is upon all of us, that our children die from fentanyl, and some of it definitely comes across legally, and some of it definitely comes across illegally, and anything we can do to stop all of those things is a good thing. Why am I worried about Texas? Because this isn't about Texas. This is about the nation and its future and its safety and its security. I think the response would be, Why are you not more worried uh, about your kids or yourself or your parents? This isn't isolated. And that's why so many governors have come out to support Greg Abbott, DeSantis in Florida, Yunkin in Virginia, Stitt in Oklahoma, Noam in South Dakota. You've got uh, Gianforte uh, in, in Montana, Kemp. Did I say Georgia? Kemp in Georgia. Yeah, there it is. Kemp in Georgia. And now my question is, where is Eric Holcomb? Where's the governor of Indiana? I think it's 
irrational and irresponsible not to have a statement. There is an actual war at the southern border. You don't want to call it a war? What do you want to call it? We'll call, we'll call it that. Whatever limiting thing, uh, diminishing thing you want to call it. But people are dying. Americans are dying. The cost financially is through the roof. The cost to the soul cannot be calculated. And the Biden administration does nothing. And it's only a matter of time before 10,000 illegal immigrants end up in Indianapolis, in Fort Wayne, in Gary, in Evansville. It's only a matter of time. So what's your take, Governor Holcomb? Greg Abbott of Texas, is he right or is he wrong? What's your position on the border? What stands will you take? Are you going to take one at all? We're waiting. We're waiting to see what the governor of Indiana thinks about the safety and the security of nations and whether or not states have the right to protect and defend themselves. We're waiting, Governor Holcomb. How much longer do we have to wait? It's only been 10 hours? Yeah, it's been 10 hours. The fight is in Texas over the southern border where the Biden administration thinks Greg Abbott is the problem and Greg Abbott is working aggressively to keep the border safe. Including sending a letter saying, Joe Biden, you're not doing your job. I heard what the Supreme Court said, but I have rights. The states have rights. Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 is an example of those rights which states quite clearly that no state shall without the consent of Congress lay any duty of tonnage keep troops or ships of war in time of peace enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution says that the country will protect the states from invasion, also guaranteeing a Republican form of government. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. Greg Abbott has the argument. It was the Supreme Court that stated that the Biden administration could take up razor wire. I was not surprised by this decision. Because that could be seen as a violation of the president's purview regarding immigration policy. But the states have the rights to protect the right to protect themselves. And here we are. If you ask Corinne Jean-Pierre, well, this is about the terrible Governor Greg Abbott, and he's putting people in harm's way. It doesn't seem like they've gotten it. Uh, they now are allowed to cut down razor wire. Yeah. Some Democrats are saying the president needs to federalize uh, the Texas National Guard. So look, that's something that could happen. 
I mean, look, I'll say this. Uh, you know, the Border Patrol agents are now, as you said, allowed to cut through the wire because of what the Supreme Court has laid out. It's, it's unfortunate that we had to go there. It's unfortunate that there is a governor in Texas, Governor Abbott, who has politicized this issue of what's happening on the border. And it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at the, at the border to do their job. And so we have been very clear. We want to make sure we get something done at the border. That's why we've been having these conversations with Senate Republicans and Democrats for the past several weeks to come up with a bipartisan agreement to deal with the border. Because an election is coming up and we have to be seen as doing something. We see you. Meanwhile, things get worse for Boeing every single day. The issues with their airplanes. And as we're now hearing... When you take a look at that Alaska Airlines flight where basically part of the fuselage just blew right off uh, mid-flight, there was thought that maybe it was uh, the responsibility of a, a contractor. Maybe not. Maybe not. Multiple reports state that they had actually been removed, uh, um, these, fu- these panels for repair, and, restalled, and were reinstalled improperly by Boeing workers on the final assembly line in Washington State. Washington Times there with the reporting. Boeing, uh, and when it comes to the 737 MAX 9, this plane doesn't work. I don't know how many more ways we have to say it, see it. I don't know how many lives have to be lost in order to understand it. This plane doesn't work. And I'm not saying it can't work one day. But it doesn't work. And now as we're hearing more about Boeing and the issues, it's not so much about the design as it is about the work. What is it that they're doing? What is it that they're not doing? Where is their focus? And how does one have trust? Every day, we the people are getting on an airplane and we're doing the safety inspection, making sure that the bolts are in the wing, Hey, is is the tire and the nose gonna fall off this time? Yes or no? We placing bets. This is not good. The focus has to be where the focus has to be, and right now Boeing doesn't have the focus. They're gonna have to make some changes. People are going to get fired. I mean, how do you not? At this stage, how do you not? Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. I'll be on my way if the sun don't shine today. The Anti-Defamation League has lost its value. An organization that was supposed to engage in the combating of anti-Semitism that now wants to tell you that Matt Walsh is the enemy, well, that's... There's no value there. But this is an organization that for far too long has put itself in a position to be interested in the politics and not interested in the job. Not interested in the job, and we see this so very often. When you take your eye off the prize. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. The story from the Daily Signal, discussing how the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, has taken to alerting law enforcement to people who aren't saying things they think are nice, 
like Matt Walsh over there at um, uh, Daily Wire, like Chris Rufo at the Manhattan Institute, and like libs of TikTok. I thought you were focused on anti-Semitism. I thought you were focused on, 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 on these issues. Why, why are you focused on this? And what has libs of TikTok ever done that would be an issue? Taking the posts of people who have lost their minds and reposting them, reposting what it is teachers think they should be doing in their classroom that is just downright abusive and has nothing to do with education? What? What in the world about that is is somehow a, a, abusive or extremist? The ADL is a progressive organization that provides no value at all. There was a time. That time is no longer. We don't have to believe that because an organization always did a thing, that that organization always does a thing. Things change. This brings us to the Ivy League. The Ivy League no longer provides a value. It is no longer the best and the brightest. It is no longer about education, but wholly and solely about indoctrination. So much so, you don't get into the Ivy League based on your merits, based on your credentials. You only get into the Ivy League based on your ideology. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. This was from uh, the Daily Mail. America's richest 1% and Ivy Leaguers say the rest of the country has too much personal freedom and wants to ration food and electricity. So um, the survey uh, talks about um, uh, what it is uh, that that is is thought of. So if you take a look at the voters, the voters say at sixteen percent we have too much freedom. Well, I don't I don't believe that in the slightest. But neither here nor there. Fifty seven percent. Uh, too much control and 27% uh, about right. The 1% thinks that there's too much freedom. The Ivy League think, thinks that there's too much freedom by by 47% and 55%. It's a very interesting kind of look. And I think if we start tearing at this, we might find some issues possibly with methodology and a host of things. But I don't think there's any issue regarding the fact that the Ivy League no longer provides us the best and the brightest. The, 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 the clear reality is that the Ivy League failed us. The Ivy League provides no value because it doesn't provide education. You must be in lockstep and a goose step with the ideology. And it is a pushing out of the ideology, which is against actual education. That's what they provide. Never mind the fact that they are bigots in every way. And it's not just their anti-Semitism post-October 7th, mind you. But we used to believe that the Ivy League and Harvard and Yale and these were the institutions. They're not.
We used to believe that the New York Times was the institution. But it's not. Just because they were doesn't mean they are. And to say so is not some kind of exercise in in bigotry or hatred. It's it's not anti-Semitic to note that the ADL has worn out its welcome. They have. There's no value here. Absolutely nothing. I am not against actual journalism when I note that the New York Times has failed. I'm not against education when I note that no one should send their kid to Harvard or Columbia, certainly. No one. If you asked me before October 7th, I would have told you, told you I talked to my oldest about uh, applying to Harvard. You won't get in, but the name will, will get you places. Well, that's not right anymore. That's gone. And fully exposed. Fully exposed. Just because it was doesn't mean it is. And that's the, 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 the wheel turns. I, I, I think the, the expression would be. These things do indeed change. And that's okay. What's not okay is the people so desperate to hold on to their power structures that they will go at you and attack you for it. But that that happens, and that will happen, and I have no doubt that I'll get responses from posts on, on social media and commentaries like this. That, that, that's fine. I, 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 get, I get plenty pushed my way all the time. Somebody, somebody posted... As I was going through some stuff, as I do getting ready for the show, hey, don't let the people on on, on, on Twitter bother you in the replies. You're, you're doing great. The days of letting anybody on social media bother me are long over. I appreciate the kindness, though, very, very much. Early in my career, when I started in IBC, it would bother me. Because I was trying to figure out how to respond to it. Because I thought it deserved a response. People were awful, and I thought it deserved a response. Nah, it doesn't. <laughs> no. No, some things don't get a response. Some, some things just get a get a mute. <laughs> some things just get a delete. Not everybody's going to agree with everything. That's, that's absolutely fine. It's okay. Not everything is what it was. And sometimes you have to leave some people behind. The Ivy Leagues, the ADL, the New York Times... They have to be left behind because they no longer fill the function that they claimed to fill and they are not allowed to rely on their history while they abuse the future. That dog won't hunt. Let us say our goodbyes now and find better people to work with. How bad is it? Don't sugarcoat it. Give it to me straight. Want coffee? I think I need some coffee. Time to fill up on the news. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. Fill up on the news presented by Absolute Wealth Management, LLC, the Absolute Wealth Retirement Planning Show, Sundays at 9 a.m. WIBC and WIBC.com. The Dow futures down 15. NASDAQ futures up 29. I'm not paying any attention to those numbers GDP for the fourth quarter was 3.3%. The expectation, 
was two. Okay, I have questions. Because we already saw earlier this month that unemployment was at uh, 3.9, which is far off from the 2% un- uh, not unemployment, inflation, I apologize. Inflation was 3.9, well off from the 2% target uh, from the Fed, and the 3.9 was a trend back up, not uh, heading down as it happened in the previous uh, couple of months. So does this make the market go nutty? Does this make the market say, absolutely, we're in good shape? Or is this a continued growth that the Fed is going to look down upon and say, this is what we're trying to slow up a little bit? 3.3. Does this come from people having to spend more to get the same thing? Or is there a value here? This is what we're going to be digging into on Tony Katz today. Kind of break this down, get an understanding of this number, of the details, what it means. No sense in uh, in in guessing. Let's have an understanding. Southwest Airlines taking the Boeing Max Seven out of their 2024 plans because of the delays in certification. No, it's because nobody wants to be on a Boeing Seven, a uh, uh, Boeing Max Seven. They don't want to be on the nine. They don't want to be on the seven. They don't want to hear Boeing Max. They don't want to hear it. There's a problem with that plane. There's a problem with Boeing. And everybody who's uh, traveling and getting on an airplane now has a whole new level of concern. And in a world full of, full of anxiety, that is not what you want. Oh, good Lord. Every, everybody's just got to relax. Everybody has got to relax, has got to take it. Uh, a, a bit easy, you know. It, it, you, you, you can't, you can't be this amped up all the time. Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. That's that is what is necessary, right here, and it's why we bring you. Oh, excuse me, I just got choked up just thinking about it. The TK Thursday music moment. This is what we do. Presented by Kill a Dent. Kill a Dent. Removal people, uh, they'll, they'll come to you with the mobile dent removal and uh, they'll, they'll take care of it and uh, no problems with the paint, everything else, the hail, whatever the case is, kill a dent removal. Boom, you got no more dents. That's, that is beautiful and lovely and fantastic right there. You got to check them out for yourself. Kill a dent removal, sponsor of the TK. That's me, Tony Katz, Thursday music moment. It's a moment to roll down the windows. To turn up the speakers, maybe the earbuds. Grab your coffee, grab your bourbon. I don't judge. Maybe you're just getting off third shift. Who am I to say? I don't get to decide. Everything's nutty. We don't have to be nutty. So in order not to be nutty, I went to 1975. Because because nothing was nutty in 1975. Nothing, I tell you. And I said, you know what? This is good. As a matter of fact, this is uh, the way I like it. Hit it, Kylan. It's going to be okay, guys. A little Casey and the Sunshine Band. Going to get us through. Roll down the windows. Step away from the madness. Turn it up.
I think this would be a perfect wedding song. I'm surprised it's not used more often. The world is crazy, but we don't have to be. That's why we do what we do, people. That's why we bring up a little music, take a breath, a little dance in the car, a little feel good. Then we can get back to it. Because that's what we have to do. Tony Katz, that's me, by the way. Hey, good to see you. 93 WIBC. Good morning. A little more love and a little more laughter A little more good vibes, less disaster You know today would be a very good day Just to have a good day So the big story today is going to be the fight Between Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas And the president over border security And that the Supreme Court saying that Yes, you can cut through razor wire Is not a decision that states that Texas cannot defend the state from invasion which clearly uh, Governor Greg Abbott is describing in his letter. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. We'll also discuss the fact that Nikki Haley, this will happen on Tony Katz today, she she lost her, her one of her biggest funders, who's a Democrat. And how does anybody think that she's going to stand a chance in in South Carolina, where she's down by 30 without the money to be able to do so. It doesn't matter that it's her own, own state. It, it it just doesn't matter. Even if she overperformed in, in New Hampshire by 7, if she overperforms by 10, she loses by 20. That's three states giving you double-digit losses. Yet I have the governor of New Hampshire... Chris Sununu saying, oh, it's just fine. Does she have to win in South Carolina? I mean, I can't understand uh, the motivation for a candidate who doesn't win the first three contests. Don't you think it's a do or die there? I I don't, and I'll tell you why. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina are always the filtering states, if you think of it that way. right? We always want to narrow it down. Now, she narrowed it down way faster than anyone thought. I do think when you get to Super Tuesday, you have to win. you got to win some states in Super Tuesday. I don't think uh, South Carolina is a must-win, but I have no doubt she's going to do very, very well there. Today, That is such a nonsense statement, it's hard to describe. That is just ridiculous in every single... It's, it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing thing to say. I, I, that, that being the, the, the governor of New Hampshire... Good Lord. Meanwhile, you listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre, and she'll tell you that the economy is just terrific. Economy. Um, yeah. I, I asked you probably six million questions about the economy <laughs> yes. when I sat in the briefing room. By the room. way, I miss you in the briefing room. <laughs> I miss being in the briefing room. The New York's nice, too. This is a nice place. New York, um, I'm from New York, so I love New York. This is your hometown. Yeah, this is my um, hometown. The consumer sentiment numbers have been on a trend line upwards. It's been amazing. The latest one, I think, surprised just about everybody. My question for you, as he goes into this big moment, and it was constant in the speech, the UAW endorsement, for months you guys have been frustrated that there's not been a correlation with public sentiment from the top line numbers. Yeah. uh, That all all defied expectations. Do you feel like the corner is being turned right now? People are getting it. It's landing in that not only will this not be a drag, heading into a campaign season. This is actually going to be a benefit for the president. Well, I'm going to be careful about the campaign season, but what I can speak to is you just said it. Consumer sentiments, people are feeling what the economy is doing. 
the people I speak to don't feel that way. And yes, uh, the GDP was at 3.3% last quarter. And that is an interesting, fascinating, and can be seen as a good number. But this was CBS News just the other day talking with people regarding uh, the primary in New Hampshire. Yeah, so people are really uh, bummed out about the economy here in New Hampshire, even uh, if the overall big picture numbers are going in the right direction. And even if people's own personal experiences in general are going okay, there's a lot of gloom. And one of the reasons is food prices, for example, generally going up. And we talked to a bunch of people outside of a grocery store in Derry, New Hampshire. We couldn't find anybody feeling good about the economy. And that, that's just human nature. Psychologically, you go into a store, if you're paying more for items that you get every week, that really sticks with you. It really annoys you. It gets you down. People were upset about it. And so are they making it? Yeah, they're making it. But are they bothered by the fact that frozen OJ has gone up double digits and that steak on Friday is up double digits? Absolutely. And that's really driving people's perspective on things. Yeah. So what is she talking about? We will get into the economy. Dr. Matt Will scheduled to join us. Economist at the University of Indianapolis break down these numbers. I will have it all for you. At noon...